agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government has the government love. The government has the government love. The government Welcome to the Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a professor of political science at Northern Kentucky University. I'm joined today by my conservative counterpart, Cleveland area attorney and defender of freedom, Jay Carson. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hey, Jay, how you doing? I, well, it's it's been a uh, uh, tough week defending freedom, but I'm uh, I'm hanging in there. Well, that, that that's good. I had, I had a rough week myself, but I've been looking forward to talking with you and see how much how much freedom you can defend today in the next few hours. So, <laughs> let's uh, uh, we're going to be talking about a bunch of things this uh, this week. Uh, of course, the Katanji uh, Brown Jackson confirmation uh, update on what's going on with Russia, Amazon's first ever union, uh, the Biden administration, and Title Forty Two that immigration thing. Uh, the plan to disqualify a number of Republicans as insurrectionists and maybe some listener questions and comments as well. And we're going to get to all of that in just one second. All right, Jay. So on Thursday, the Senate confirmed Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson to the Supreme Court with Justice Jackson, or now she will be Justice Jackson, taking the place of the retiring Justice Stephen Breyer when he uh, ends his career and the court at the end of the court's current term. And the vote was 53 to 47, with Republicans Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and Mitt Romney joining all 50 Senate Democrats in support of Jackson. And it was actually the same outcome as for Jackson's confirmation to the D.C. D.C. Circuit Court uh, this past summer, although Collins and Murkowski voted to confirm Jackson both times. But this time around, Lindsey Graham changed his yes to a no, and Mitt Romney moved from a no to a yes. And explaining his vote change to reporters, Romney said, in her previous confirmation vote, I had concerns about whether or not she was in the mainstream. And having spent time with her personally and reviewing her testimony before Congress, I became convinced she is in the mainstream. And then in a statement released later, Romney said, while I do not expect to agree with every decision she may make on the court, I believe that she more than meets the standard of excellence and integrity. So, Jay, uh, what do you think? Do you agree with Mitt Romney that she more than meets the standard of excellence and integrity? Uh, and, uh, and in general, what do you think about the vote and, ju- and ju- soon to be Justice Jackson? Yeah, no, I, I, I do uh, agree with Romney uh, generally. Um, I suppose integrity is always sort of tough to tell right out of the box, right? Yeah. Um, but there's, there's no reason uh, at this point, I would say, to doubt her, her integrity. Um, and uh, I think when we we had predictions on this a while back, uh, you noted Trey Trey hit the number right on right on the head. Uh, I don't think I gave a specific number. I said sort of a handful. So I think I'm 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 sort of vindicated as a prediction. Right? Yeah. Okay. Well, 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 let you. I, I I like the fact. And I should point out that Jay, in a lot of ways, is uh, a smarter man than I am in the sense that if there was a if there was a limb, he always makes sure to. You know, have some sort of support there. I just kind of go out in the end of the limbs and end up falling down a whole lot because just like with your inflation predictions, you took the you took the over and I made I a specific yeah. number. But that's that's pretty much you know, it's, it's been the same way with us for for decades now, right? I make the crazy prediction and you well, say, yeah, uh, specific numbers are tough. To predict. Yeah, you know, the, absolutely. The trends are much easier. Absolutely. Yeah. So yes, we we will give you your Trump handful of, uh, <laughs> but but. You know, I think that the surprising. So it sounds to me like 
you're saying that you might have actually joined Romney in voting for her, and even though certainly she's not the sort of person you would appoint to the court. Um, you know, it's it's one of those uh, questions where, look, I didn't sit through all the testimony. Sure. I didn't read all her opinions. Um, uh, my my default option, right, on on these things, and again, um. There's always these weird questions about how would I vote, and and I always point out that, um, listen, people, I've, I've never been elected dog catcher um, to anything, um, so it's it's sort of sort of immaterial. But um, my my sense on these things is presidents ought to have the uh, give get some deference uh, to the their nominees. Um, that said, the Senate still has a job to do, and traditionally that job has been to ensure uh, qualifications. Uh, that sort of added uh, the ideological wrinkle, sort of sort of uh, added onto that in '87. Um, I shouldn't say it was that was the first time, right? But that's the the most recent time. Um, so look, I, I think uh, there are reasonable questions that one should ask of a, a, a an aspiring justice regarding. Uh, their theories of constitutional interpretation and and what they think of certain cases, certain decisions, uh, how they deal with with precedent. Uh, when is it appropriate to overturn it? When is it not? Um, those are all good and reasonable questions. Um, and she gave she gave the answers that one would expect. And and I I can't tell um, you know how sincere she is in them that she would you know apply the law as written. And there was there was there was some sort of um, now, this was weeks weeks ago, right? But uh, sort of sort of a vindication for Scalia in that. Listen, uh, whether whether these uh, democratically appointed uh, justices um, believe this or not, uh, they're certain giving lip service to the um, textualist uh, uh, line. Um, uh, so it, it it may well be that uh, hypocrisy is the tribute that uh, vice pays to virtue. Um, uh, or maybe she, she really means it and, and we'll see. Um, but yeah. I, I, I look at, I look at this as the, you know, I start from the default of a president ought to get his nominee, uh, appointed absent, uh, other circumstances. Yeah. You know, I, 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 that's of course where I start on this as well. I, I would think that the only sort of thing that if someone argued that it gave them pause that I would maybe consider potentially at least worth considering is that saying that, well, you know, she's only been on the appellate court since the summer of 2021, and therefore I feel like there's not enough of a record for me to go by and so forth. And, that, you know, I, I still don't right. know no, if that, that would be. That would, have been, that would have been a reasonable argument, I think. Uh, let's put it this way. I think some of the attacks on on her, if you want to call them attacks, I, I, and I some of them were, you know, calling her you know, support of pedophiles. Um, no, but look, sort of um, uh, some some were fair and some were unfair. Um, uh, I, I think uh, attacking her on the grounds of of uh, she defended uh, criminals um, is, and again, this this is just coming from my perspective as an attorney, is very much unfair. Uh, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of like, uh, you know, criticizing a doctor on the basis that he treated yeah. sick people. <laughs> As a public defender, you defended criminals. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, public defenders and those people who, who defend criminals perform 
uh, and an extremely important role in our system. Um, and I and I would and to me as as conservative, uh, this is something I believe very very dearly because no, look, I'm I'm tough on crime and and all that, but uh, I, I have also grave concerns about. Uh, the government, right? The the police state. This and 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 this is one of our great constitutional checks uh, against government overreach. Is that you have the right to have an attorney, uh, and if if you can't afford one, one will be appointed. And and look, that's the way the process is supposed to work. So, um, uh, I I think those attacks were were unfair. Um, uh, the you know the attacks of she's somehow pro pro pedophile. I guess you yeah. know. I mean, again, that's. Um, uh, I think those were, were, uh, over the line. Um, the question about how do you define a woman, I, I think is a fair question in, in light of today's jurisprudence and in light of Bostock, in light of, um, how would you, how would you look at, um, interpreting, uh, 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 title nine? Um, that's, I think that's, I think that's a fair question. Um, and I think her her answering a kind of stumbling of the look, I'm no biologist is is uh, um, again, that's that was sort of the um, I don't want to call it a gaffe because it, you know, unless you take the the idea that the you know a gaffe is when someone uh, accidentally says the truth. but right. she, I mean, she revealed the this the 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 uh, the state of play there, right? <laughs> um, um, so I guess that that's my overall thoughts thoughts on this. Um I think I think I can see some principled conservatives saying no we we don't uh we're not going to vote for her because we do think she takes too uh, expansive a view uh of a a living constitution or we just simply don't trust that she's going to be the textualist that she says she is. Um uh but I I I I think some of the other uh, uh questions well, what were some of the other attacks? I mean we're we're over the line. Uh, and just sort of sort of nonsense and and theater, so yeah, uh, nonsense and theater. I think it's a great way to describe the majority of what happens at the Supreme Court uh, nomination hearing, certainly, uh, which is why I feel like I would were I in that position, I would hope I would lean far more heavily on the judge's previous record uh, as opposed to yeah. what they were coached to say uh, you know during this kind of media circus sort of thing. Yeah. And, and, now, and now there is a little bit of an interplay in there too, right? If you have a, a judge who has been on the court for a longer time and there is more of a record to say, sure. you know, in, in X, you wrote this, <clears throat> you know, what do you mean by that? Does that principle apply in this situation? And, and that kind of stuff, right? There's, so, and there, and there's also, there's obviously always this, this tension in, in appointing Supreme Court justices because uh, that was really sort of Robert Bork's problem, Right. Um, is he wrote too much? Yeah, uh, <laughs> there was too yeah. much of a history. He well, um, he wrote too much, and he wrote things that were you know that that were certainly uh, in some ways out of the out of the mainstream. They were very blunt in many like cases. It was, man. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, if someone, you know, if someone asks you, well, you know, what does what does the Ninth Amendment mean? And you say, well, you know, I don't know. I don't think anyone really knows. There are many interpretations <laughs> of the Ninth Amendment, and you know, uh, all of them are really pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. But uh, but this, you know, again, this doesn't really change much of anything. Of course, it creates an opening on the D.C. Circuit. But, you know. Joe Biden's just going to appoint somebody who's very much like Judge Jackson. And uh, that that circuit actually is still will have that seven to four Democrat uh, appointee advantage. And that's actually a, a pretty big deal, given the importance of the D.C. circuit. Right. Yeah. 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 Very much so. 
All right. Well, uh, let's move on and talk about Russia. This week, of course, the, uh, as everyone knows, probably the strongest evidence yet we've seen of Russian war crimes emerged after Ukrainian forces liberated the town of Bucha. And Biden administration officials have said that this is very much in alignment with that broader Russian policy of inflicting terror on the Ukrainian population. And as we would expect, Russia has not only denied committing any atrocities, but has made the claim that the evidence of atrocities was staged after Russian troops withdrew, which is a claim that hasn't stood up to really even cursory uh, investigation. And this has led to a new round of sanctions targeting Russian banks, families of top Russian officials, including dictator Putin, and a ban on any new U.S. investment in Russia. Uh, The U.S. sanctions also include a ban on Russia making debt payments with any funds under U.S. jurisdiction, which may force Russia to choose between draining its dollar reserves held in the country or defaulting on its debt. The EU also applied additional sanctions on Russia, which target Russian banks and uh, uh, Putin's daughters. And, and other family members or top family members and a ban on Russian coal imports, which prohibits any new coal contracts to be signed and bans any existing imports starting the second week in August. And this is estimated that it will result in around a 8 billion euro, which is around 8.7 billion U.S. dollars loss of revenue per year for Russia. And in addition, it now appears that Finland and Sweden may be applying for NATO membership in the coming months, because since Russia's unprovoked invasion of Ukraine, public support for NATO membership in those two countries has risen significantly. And if they do join NATO, and it's seen as likely that there'd be essentially a they they go in together one right after the other, that land border between NATO countries and Russia would more than double in size. Russian officials have said this would result in Russia rebalancing its military forces, but they wouldn't see it as the sort of existential threat that might trigger the use of weapons of mass destruction. So, Jay, uh, yeah, it is good to hear. Well, (laughs) but aside from that, what are your thoughts on on this week's developments? Maybe starting, let's start with the the atrocities and the sanctions that kind of came after those. I think um, as I've as I've said the last couple of weeks, uh, I'm I'm a big believer in these things in moral clarity. And while there's there's certainly the argument of boy, it'd be good to fueling it, we could provide Putin an off ramp or something somehow to, to defuse this, get him out. Um, you know, I, I don't think uh, you can let diplomacy uh you know, you can sacrifice this this truth and and uh, moral clarity for for diplomacy. Uh, so this this is out there. The world is seeing it. Um, you didn't mention what I thought was really sort of the startling um, uh, event is that the UN has removed uh, Russia from the uh, UN Human them, Rights yeah. Council, yep. um, which <clears throat> again it, it's sort of you got to be really bad to get removed from the UN Human Rights Council. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's kind I of mean, a joke, some of the countries that have actually been on that council. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, well, it's more than a joke. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's tragic. It's yes, horrific. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, that that it, it is almost, uh, you know, pretty typically some of the, the worst actors in the world uh, sit on, on that committee. Um, but the UN uh, General Assembly voted to remove them uh, a fairly – um, I don't have the number in front of me, uh, wide vote, but there were, I think there were only like three or four, uh, no's yeah. and there was the, the notable and really sad and, uh, 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 upsetting, I think, abstention of Kuwait, um, which, uh, you know, Hey, we, we bailed you guys out when, uh, 
when you were invaded by the the tyrant next door. And just, um, just uh, you to, specifically, Mike, bailed them out when they were. <laughs> just to point out, uh, current members of the the council include Cuba and China, and uh, you know, right there, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, famous famous upholders of human rights, China and Cuba. And you look at the list of members, and it's it's yeah, it's just yeah, more than a joke. You're right. So, uh, so anyway, I, you know, I rarely do I say kudos to the UN, but, uh, I, I will today on that. Um, you know, obviously it, it's merely symbolic, uh, and, and just sort of, you know, um, uh, as something of a joke comparing what the, the council, the uh, committee is, but, uh, still it's, it's some recognition of, of reality and that there is a, um, uh, sort of fundamental morality here that uh, that we need to look at when we talk about human rights. Uh, so I'm, you know, I, I guess um, I'm, I'm not saying to, to be overly hawkish, but I, I think it's entirely right and appropriate that, that uh, we call these atrocities war crimes uh, and label them for what they are and see that uh, the world knows about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I certainly agree. You know, I'm of two minds, not really two minds, or two things that occurred to me when I, like so many people, saw the uh, evidence from Buka. And for one, it occurred to me, this is the sort of thing that can happen, uh, or almost invariably happens, I guess, in some instances, where you invade a country and you're involved in urban warfare against a civilian population that is, you know, resisting right and yeah. and if you have troops that are poorly trained poorly led uh the probability that bad things will happen goes way up but that that's one thing right you say well right. oh well, do, you, do you think it was a poorly trained poorly led situation or well, i think it's i, I think it's I'm both more of the no i think it's both a, it's both yeah. it's poorly trained poorly led folks and so if people are you know throwing things down at you shooting at you from one of whatever you know there there are civilian casualties and you engage non-combatants but it, that's one thing and that's not okay either but there's a big difference between that and mass torture rape and execution of civilians you know and that's that's not that's that's a whole other level of war crime here. Now, I, I the, the word genocide has been talked about and some people would say, well, it just, you know, that cheapens the sort of meaning of the genocides that we saw in the 20th century of the attempted genocides. But uh, it seems to me, giving it some thought, if you think about, well, genocide is sort of the uh, any attempt to destroy the, the, the a culture or a people or something like that. Well, you can certainly argue that what Putin is trying to do is to destroy Ukraine as a culture. And so I'm I'm OK with with calling it that, actually. I, I've kind of come down on that end. So I was wondering what you thought about the genocide thing. I, I am. Uh, I wouldn't uh, say genocide, but that's I don't want to that to be interpreted anyway to belittle uh these atrocities, right? Sure. Uh, or, or, or say that that is somehow um, morally less bad than genocide. I, I think it's, but I think it's different. I think it's just a. Di- I, I'm, I'm just kind of parsing the wor- words uh, differently, right? Um, uh, I think these are are murders. They're war crimes. Um, and I guess maybe this is. I'm just thinking too lawyerly, right? Um, uh, whereas, you know, the, in the, the Holocaust, there was the direct intent to say, we are going to exterminate sure. uh, this yeah. race of people. Um, uh, where to me, this looks more like this is, this is a war and we're killing civilians. Um, 
Yeah, I actually and, you know, because sure. many, many of cases, you know, again, of 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 the same Slavic type ancestry, right? Uh, uh, you know, many Russian speakers. Um, uh, so, so I'm 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 hesitant to put that that genocide label on there because I do think genocide is something specific uh, and and thankfully rare. Um, but that I, I don't want that sure. in any way to to you know whatever uh, J soft on war crimes. Do you think do you think that anyone's ever going to actually be uh, called anyone of, of significance is ever going to be called to account for these war crimes? Um, maybe. <laughs> uh, look, I mean, it depends on on how things go. Um, See, I think and, it's I think and, it's unlikely. Uh, I think well, that generally it may, speaking, it might be unlikely in the near future. But I mean, if you remember, um, some of the people who perpetrated uh, genocide in the 20th century. Uh, were on the run for a while, um, but eventually uh, they were they were caught uh, and, and tried. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say uh, uh, it's impossible. I, do I think that the, the UN, as it's constituted now, will will take this up, or that the International Criminal Court will take this up? Which again, the International Criminal Court that's a whole other story. Um, uh, but uh, at some point, does a a free Ukraine maybe catch some of these guys? Uh, and try them and uh, execute them. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, if they're if they're if they're found guilty and with given due process and all that, I certainly hope so uh, as well. Though I think that probably the uh, the real effect would be just to simply limit the uh, circumscribe the travel options of some of these people uh, for the rest of their lives, basically. And yeah, they, but again, yeah, and that's the thing. If they ever leave Russia, exactly. and go to some place where they can be. Uh, arrested and then extradited by yeah. a, a free Ukraine. Um, yeah, that's kind of the situation I'm, I'm envisioning, yeah. as opposed to an international tribunal. Yeah, and you know, it, I, move, moving on to the Finland and, and Sweden and NATO thing, it, it, it blows my mind because, you know, even two or three months ago, um, healthy majorities of folks of in both those countries were against that and and there was really even no you know no serious consideration of that uh, and, and now it looks like it's i won't say a done deal but it looks like a very strong possibility and it just makes you think that wow uh, it, it's hard to imagine uh, an outcome that is more at odds with what it seemed like Vladimir Putin wanted than exactly what he is getting. I, I cannot think of a of a more colossal strategic miscalculation by a world leader in 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 recent memory, in generations, perhaps, than what we've seen with Vladimir Putin here. Um. Yeah. Uh, short term, I think so. So long as is uh, the West keeps up the effort. Yeah, and, and um, if his calculation is uh, that eventually uh, we'll lose interest um, uh, as as you know this gets bogged down or something, um, I'm I'm hoping. I mean, that's probably what he's betting on. I'm hoping he's wrong. Uh, time will tell. But this this does, I think, have a, a different feel to it than other um, uh, other Russian military adventures, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so and so, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I I am sure that we have. Well, yeah. Any other any other thoughts on what went on in Russia Ukraine this week before we move on? Well, I, I uh, not not really. Other other than to say that the Russians are making this more and more difficult for the rest of the world to give them any sort of diplomatic sure. off ramp. Yeah, absolutely. 
if if that's the idea that uh, uh, look, maybe we can settle for we get part of the but again uh, bombing civilians as they were trying to uh, flee. Right. Uh, uh, it's there's there's just there's no uh, there's no way around that, uh, and there's no way that that is uh, forgivable. Right in the in the the sense of well, this was a war and stuff happened. Um, uh, their their conduct is is requiring uh, the West uh, to to stand strong yeah. for for good or bad. Right? I mean, I so and and in the more they do along those lines, the more uh, the more you, you get to a point where you think, are there any other sanctions? And it seems like, well, yes, we found some they more things. Coming up sanction, with sanctions, you know, I'm I mean, always like, why didn't we do that before? Yeah, exactly. Um, but, so. Uh, um, yeah, I think so. And I guess the other the other piece of this is I'm going to I'm going to sound a little goofy here, but you know, years ago back in the 80s, and uh, Ronald Reagan referred to the Soviet Union and its its, you know, satellites as an evil empire. And and everybody laughed at him. Uh and and you know, probably oh, silly old Ron, it just sees the world in black and white and um we but didn't I think laugh this, at him. this reminded people, I mean, that it still is an evil empire and um, you maybe have different people in charge, and it doesn't have the the ideological overlay that the Soviet Union did. Um, but but it it does, I think, force uh, world leaders and and humanity to look at there there is good and evil. I mean, sometimes you just have to to call it like that. Um, uh, there's there's no way around. Um, and so good for good for President Biden for being. Uh... Early and in front on that, right? Calling well, yes. the war. Yeah, no, and, and I, I think I've been, yeah. been uh, uh, appropriately congratulatory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, to him on on that. So yeah, we can we can we can agree that it is just still give him just let the let the polls give him the jets though. But well, we we can we can agree that it that so that Russia still is an evil empire. It went from being an evil empire to being a corrupt democracy, then uh, back to being an evil empire. So uh, they had that brief period, I guess, the, the Yeltsin years. Ah, anyway. Let's move on and talk about, go back to sort of domestic front, uh, something that was a big deal for me. Very, I was very excited about UJ, probably a little bit less excited, I would guess. But just over a week ago, workers at an Amazon warehouse in New York City made history by becoming the first group of Amazon workers to unionize. Fifty-five uh, percent of the workers voting approved the move to unionize. And this, is an, this came as a surprise, not just to Amazon, which has spent millions of dollars fighting unionization efforts, but also to pretty much all outside observers of this effort. And in part, it's because it was led not by a traditional labor group, but by this newly formed group called Amazon Labor Union, created by a guy named Chris Smalls, who was a former employee of that very Amazon warehouse, who was fired in March of 2020 after leading a walkout over pandemic working conditions. Now, there's a second New York City Amazon warehouse scheduled to hold its own unionization vote later this month. And the really surprising success of this vote is expected to, I would say, to a certain extent, embolden other Amazon workers who are interested in organized to collectively bargain with Amazon, which is, by the way, the U.S.'s second largest employer uh, right behind Walmart. Now, Amazon is challenging the results of the vote. They're accusing the union of threatening workers and to claim that labor experts say will be difficult to support sufficiently to withhold certification of the vote by the National Labor Relations Board, which is the next step. So, Jay, what do you think about this? How big of a deal is it? Uh, you know, 
I think it's it's a fairly big deal. Uh, we'll wait and see how this plays out in, uh, for example, Amazon locations in the South, right, which are, are much more uh, anti-union to yeah. unions. Um, uh, there's also a, a, an interesting dynamic. Uh, I think we pointed this out in, in the last time there was one of these votes, um, in, in that there is such a, a high turnover uh, in Amazon employees. You know, you can you can have a, a vote uh, one time. They can have a vote uh, three months, six months later, and, and really kind of get get startlingly different results. So that this thing could always be sort of in motion. Um, the other the other thing that strikes me is is a little um uh, this is just my you know looking at um the great uh, the invisible hand uh, of of adam smith um and and perhaps uh this may save uh, retail brick and mortar um right well i mean I'm, I'm not i'm i'm sort of kidding but i'm also not kidding um you well know, you know, the I- the convenience of amazon is that look you could you could get whatever you want uh, uh, delivered pretty quickly for more or less the same price uh, as you would buy it at at whatever your local store would be, um, but without the hassle of having to go out. Um, as those prices increase and and uh, with unionization, prices will increase uh, for that for that delivery um, and uh, times uh, uh, to get those deliveries will will take longer, and they will. Um, well, you don't know. You don't know that times will take long. And now prices. Let's. I mean, you're making some assumptions here. And actually, yes. there have been some folks who've crunched numbers on this. The Morgan Stanley, really reputable firm, they uh, did an analysis of this, and they found that for every one percent of Amazon's frontline workforce, that's the warehouse and other folks like that, so non non executives, for every one percent that unionize, they they calculate that that would result in around 150 million dollars more in annual operating expenses for the company. And so to give you a sense of what that means, uh, in 2021, Amazon's operating expenses were $445 billion. So every 1% is 0.0337% more in annual operating expenses. Uh, put it another way, if 100%, if all of Amazon's frontline employees were unionized, which obviously won't happen, that would translate into roughly a one-third increase in annual operating expenses, according to this analysis. So I just wanted to kind of put some numbers on that. So certainly there's a point at which, and and all of these increases, just like with any employer, uh, all of these increases aren't necessarily directly passed on to customers, employer, you know, uh, companies, obviously they'll, they'll eat some of them in lower profits, depending on the competitive conditions and that sort of thing. But certainly you're right that a certain percentage will move over to customers. And, and from my, my point of view, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm willing to pay a little bit more for the things I get on Amazon every day if it means better working conditions and better uh, better pay for those workers and oftentimes in very grueling, uh, difficult, dangerous jobs. And so I'm, I'm, I think this is a good thing, and I hope there's a whole lot more of it. Well, well good on you. Um, and, I mean, well, I, again, I'm uh, – look, I, I would agree um, – we have laws in our country that give workers the right to uh, unionize. Um, my my take tends to be in most uh, many situations uh, that's you know that's not a decision I would make uh, if the vote were put to me. If you're asking me how I would vote, um, 
But, uh, yeah, some of these uh, places will unionize and it will spread and we'll see what happens. Uh, and I think it, it may, uh, over time, again, I don't think this happens overnight and especially not with the unionization of one, one warehouse in New York. Um, but it, it's going to, it's going to have an effect. Uh, and there are going to be people who are not willing to pay, uh, the higher prices when, and they can get the same thing, uh, you know, cheaper, quicker, uh, just down the street. Sure. And, and, you know, you made that point about, and I'm like, and, and you're, so do you order a lot of stuff from Amazon? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I pretty much our life is ruled by Amazon. Absolutely. See, I, I, I do not. Um, yeah, no, Amazon, Amazon comes multiple times per week. We have a subscribe and save list that is just absolutely ridiculous. We, you know, yeah, absolutely. Amazon is a, wow. an enormous part of You've our life. You've been supporting the slave labor stuff for, for years now. Yeah, huh? I mean, well, not slave labor, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, but, but, but yeah, when, when no, you get, I'm, I'm just, I'm just curious if that's sort of a, a, a conservative liberal, uh, bet. And it, cause I, I, I order stuff from Amazon sometimes, right? Um, it's it tends to be sort of like for Christmas I'll get an Amazon gift card and then I'm like oh, okay well I guess I'll find something oh god no that's you're you're uh, you're or, the or weird one there something that it is uh, weird and hard to find um, like you know yeah that's... various various boat parts and stuff like that that yeah. sometimes I need like, you are, right you are, you are definitely out of the mainstream on that yeah, I think I guess I, so. yeah, but that's yeah. not surprising you're out of the mainstream on a lot of stuff now basically uh, Amazon has replaced Target and all kinds of other things in our lives that we used to go out and because it's just it's both cheaper and it's you know delivered to your door so and I'm I mean I, there was a there was a case where a few years ago I needed a I needed a 60 pound dumbbell for reasons we won't get into but uh, I actually it was actually less expensive for Amazon to deliver it to my door than it was for me to go to Dick's Sporting Goods and pick it up myself. And that's just that's just nuts, isn't yeah. it? So I'm okay with paying a little bit more, uh, like I said, for that. Um, also, I should point out that, you know, Amazon's in an interesting sort of situation because, of course, Walmart is kind of a competitor, though Amazon has sort of a unique position. But Walmart actually has a history of closing stores rather than have them successfully unionize. And, and that, of course, is a very powerful deterrent to employees who think about unionizing, right? And, and with Amazon, it's a little bit different because they need a certain number of these distribution centers. And I don't know if they would consider doing the same thing. And it would certainly be, uh, you know, I mentioned this. Well, they, they could. And that, yeah. that could result in what I said of longer wait times. Yeah. Uh, though I, I, yeah, I don't know the extent to which that would necessarily happen. But you, you mentioned a point that I want to get back to about in the South. Of course, a number of states have what they call right to work states, in which uh, basically you can have all the benefits of collective bargaining and union membership without actually having to pay any sort of dues, which obviously decreases the incentive to become part of the union, which decreases union resources and, and kind of has a negative spiral sort of effect. And that, that's the case in most of the southern states, actually. And so I think that would make it much more difficult for unions to kind of have the force and combat the sort of anti-union activity that companies like Amazon engage in. Things like, for instance, uh, mandatory 
anti-union meetings that Amazon and so many other companies uh, require, uh, you know, when there's a threat of a union. And actually, I wanted to bring that up because the general counsel of the National Labor Relations Board this week issued a memo concluding that this practice of requiring these mandatory anti-union meetings is actually a violation of the National Labor Relations Act, even though the NLRB in the past has allowed this sort of thing. Um, so which, well, which which is troubling to me, and I I would think to you, right? And just in our, our usual principle that laws ought to be made by Congress, not by bureaucrats. Well, and I think I think it is not a completely unreasonable interpretation of the National Labor Relations Act, though I I I, I would not. <laughs> I'm a little, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not a full steam ahead kind of person on this sort of thing. And also, I think even if it is upheld, and I don't think this interpretation would end up ultimately being upheld by the courts, I think the practical effect would probably be smogs. If you think about it, most employees would still probably attend non-mandatory meetings because yeah. th- number one, a lot of folks just don't want to be seen as a troublemaker. Like, why isn't Johnson at the meeting? You know, I don't know. And, you know, and not only that, but it's paid time away from work, right? And so it's like, well, I could be loading boxes or I can go to this meeting uh, about the union uh, and uh, the, I hear they have donuts. You know, I mean, yeah, no, <laughs> like, right. hey, exactly I'm right. there, right? So, yeah, yeah I don't know no, if I, it's... I, I'm, I'm a little bit... Um, uh, I, I, I don't know how much those meetings move the needle. Yeah. I, mean, I, I suppose it... it it depends on on each different uh, workplace and, and industry, right? Uh, what you're talking about. But I think a lot of a lot of uh, people sort of come in with uh, the sense of where they are on this, and and are probably not extremely swayed by the meeting. It does give employers the chance to uh, uh, address and sort of give give counterpoint to um, uh, statements that you know the pro union folks are making. So I I, I think it, it balances the the playing field there a little bit, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that um, that I'd say that said, that that said, I would definitely be in favor to a specific amendment to the national labor relations act saying that employees cannot require attendance at these, at these meetings. And I think that is, that, that does seem to me to be a reasonable thing though. I, as, as I understand, that's not actually clearly clearly codified in the uh, National Labor Relations Act, and I would like to see that being being part of it. I don't know what you think about that. No, I mean, I, I could probably agree with you on that, yeah. right? Congress does it, and then I, again, like the, you know, just the donut approach. Um, yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I think there are plenty of ways to get people to come to those meetings exactly for that sort of thing, you know. And I think that the the idea here, uh, right, is that in theory, both sides should have some sort of fair way to make their case, essentially. And there, and and that that can be, you know, there are always on these the, these things uh, questions about intimidation, and and honestly, I find it hard to believe that it doesn't happen on both sides, uh, right? You've talked about union intimidation, and I've talked about employer intimidation. And I think when the stakes are this high for both sides, there are always going to be some people who push beyond what is okay. And that's the question then becomes is, is it widespread enough so that it would actually alter the the results of the thing, right? Because I don't think there's any way you can have this sort of a process where there's no, where, where nobody feels threatened or intimidated, at least to some extent. Um. 
Because I, I mean, I guess. It, yeah, it, I mean, again, it's your it's a small thing in close quarters. And, yeah, exactly. And people know each other and all that. Uh, uh, so so maybe maybe not. Um, yeah. That, but, uh, yeah. Go ahead. But there but there's a line between uh, social pressure and then intimidation. Yes, exactly. And so saying, yeah, we're gonna yeah we're gonna Rocco's gonna come over to your house and you yeah. know that sort of thing. Yeah, that obviously does kind of cross a line there. So so yeah, my prediction on this is that we are going to be seeing more unionization efforts, and I think some of them. Plenty of them will still fail, but I wouldn't be surprised if a few years from now there's, you know, a, a few percent of Amazon's workforce that's actually unionized. Though I would be kind of stunned if any time in the near future it's anything more than, say, like five, ten percent of their frontline workforce. What do you think? I'm I'm going to guess that it it uh, it gets a little bit bigger than that. Really? Okay. Um, you know, you know what I would have to know, and this is the fact that I don't know, is where all the warehouses are. Right. Sure. Right. Show me a map. And then, as you said, you know, look at things like right to work and so forth. Um, and as you would expect, they're everywhere, right? Because yeah. they have to be. Yeah, you but, know, but, but I would have to think some places more than others. Sure. Uh, and, and then what you might see is maybe movement of, of places from one uh, uh, one state to another, um, you know, closing one in, in favor of, of moving to another if, if the places were large enough. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And the tricky question, of course, becomes a logistical one is that given the fact that you have you to know, have them spread out. Enough. A- exactly. And so then Amazon, the question for them as well is the additional cost of transportation and all that worth, you know, shutting down a shutting down a plant where there's or a warehouse where, you know, they, they, they want to unionize. So anyway. All right. Well, that actually brings us to the end of our uh, uh, ad supported uh, part of the episode. And if you're a Politics Guy supporter, the rest of the episode is coming right up. We're going to be talking about the Biden administration and Title 42, that some plans to disqualify Republicans as insurrectionists and whether that's okay. I think Jay has some pretty strong views on that. Uh, and a bunch of listener questions and comments. Um, if you're not a supporter, just a quick reminder, full episodes, which are ad-free, run typically around two hours. They're available to our Patreon supporters, as well as to anyone who's not in a position to financially support the podcast. Uh, uh, to become a Patreon supporter, just go to patreon.com slash politicsguys. You can also support us at Venmo or at politicsguys, as well as through PayPal. Those links are in the show notes and at politicsguys.com slash support. And if you'd like to get free access to full episodes, just email me, Mike, at politics guys.com and I will be happy to take care of that for you. And whether you're a supporter or not, we would really appreciate it if you could subscribe, rate the show, leave a review on whatever podcast app you use and share episodes on social media. Thanks so much.